What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Outlier Show. I'm E3. This is Early Jackson, and this is the hot new podcast from Father and Son Creative, sharing their perspectives on pop culture topics. No, no subject, subject is taboo. taboo. And today we are excited to um, just come around and, and share some content with you on something that we've been talking about as a as a family right. and, and just as uh you know, citizens in the United States, and that's on what it takes for change and revolution. Uh, we're gonna kind of dig into is revolution possible. And let's let's go even deeper with that. Not just as U.S. citizens, as African Americans, because we've seen leaders come and go in the past, and now recently I've seen. So who's the next leader gonna be? Like somebody put that question out. I think it was on uh, Twitter. Wow, and, and you know, I think that um. Part of our, and by our, I'm speaking directly uh, in relation to the black community. Part of part of the challenge in the black community is the savior complex. Right. We're constantly looking for this great savior, this great act of salvation for mm-hmm. uh, that's going to bring equality, instead of working to be a change agent mm-hmm. every day of our lives. Day in, day out, whether you're standing in the grocery line in the supermarket, mm-hmm. whether you're at the bank or whether you're at school or whether you out with your friends, whether you yeah, like in school, whether you just do, going throughout your day to day life, mm-hmm. the small things can add can add up. And that build up is, is definitely something that could tip the scales towards change. I like that tip the scales. Um, I think that the the concept of leverage is so important Mm -hmm. because leverage is when you take a smaller thing to move a bigger thing right and when you wake up and twitter is going up uh not to not to jump into it but we got a you know politicians who are front and center saying a bunch of crazy stuff yeah it can be overwhelming and it can cause anxiety to spike so what do we do as social activists in our in our everyday life to to enact change not only for us and our family, but then it reverberates out to the community. Start with the little things. Okay, give us some examples. What you got? Um, change the narrative of how they see black people. Mm, what was we that don't always to have to. We don't always have to be these ghetto hood type people. Mm-hmm. We can be people who can conduct ourselves in an orderly manner. Mm-hmm. Whether that's in business, at home out in public we don't always have to be loud and rowdy i get sometimes we having fun and we may get a little the volume might raise a little bit but at the same time is where you can do that without them without everybody putting us into that category of being hood or ghetto not saying there's anything wrong with with being that Mm -hmm. but when you've been when we've been identified as that for so long and we're not normally that we at the point we're we're calling each other that so here's a challenging question um, that we can dig into. How do you how do you change a narrative without the person that's hearing the narrative adjusting their perspective? And here's what I mean by that: um, when Penn State convicted uh, Paterno mm-hmm. for um, they they said that he was negligent for what had happened to the um, the uh, people that were on campus who had been abused right. sexually Penn State tore student body tore the campus apart mm-hmm. 
They flipped over cars. They set trash cans on fire. They call that um, on the on certain news outlets. They said that a group of youth, you know, frustrated youth, yeah, did X, Y, and Z. Now something happens in Ferguson or Baltimore, and they say a gang of thugs uh, uh, released an onslaught on a neighborhood and unsuspecting people, yeah. destroying property. And I think that what we try to do in changing narrative, it would be it would do better with that energy being used to change us. Mm. Because I don't think that people really change how they see a person until the person seeing decides to change. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Because we can't change their perspective for for them. No. They're always gonna see this see us in the way I guess they've been taught in the way they're conditioned to see us. Taught and conditioned. Now, so let what's what's the biggest conditioning mechanism in the world? Instagram or social media. TV. Yeah. Especially. I mean I mean now it's leaning mm-hmm. toward more towards social, social media. media. Yeah. But growing up it was definitely TV. So think about um and you know some of my favorite shows that I watch are shows from the 70s, mm-hmm. All in the Family, Jefferson's, right. Fred Sanford. The reason why I believe that Norman Lear was so brilliant in instituting social activism and change is because until those shows really came out, we people worked with each other. We went home and closed our doors, and that's it. So I didn't see into a white community's uh, daily activities. They didn't see into a black community. They got little. Right. We got little peaks here and there. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that it's so brilliant. What he did was because he showed us the same family dynamics that are going on in your house is going on in someone else's house. Right. And I believe actions like that changed perspective, which eventually changed narrative. Mm-hmm. So you fast forward to the movie. Um, did you see the movie The Butler with Oprah Winfrey and uh, Forrest Whitaker and all that? Yeah. There was a scene in there where the where Oprah tells the young boys um, at the table that are joking their father for being a butler. Mm-hmm. She said, everything that you got, you got because of that butler over there. And I think that the um, in the late 50s and 60s and early 70s, uh, when the only roles that were available for black folks in Hollywood was the the thief, the pimp, the prostitute. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kind of got in where they fit in. And slowly but surely, we started seeing doctors on TV that looked like us. Mm-hmm. We started seeing legislators on TV that looked like us. We started seeing action movie stars that looked like us. Mm-hmm. We started seeing superheroes that looked like us. Right. And, and I think that we got to have a short game and we got to have a long game. So on the short game, um, some things that we can do on a daily basis, practical, daily basis, practical stuff. What, what is, what's something that you do that you feel proud of that makes you feel like, you know what, I'm representing not only myself, but my family and the black community well? When I'm at work, I treat anybody, regardless of how they act, I treat you with respect. Mm-hmm. I'm always cordial. I speak with proper, I guess, you proper English. Mm-hmm. I'm not using slang when I talk to customers. I'm always being. I'm always. I ask them how their day was going before the before we get deep into the transaction. 
So I always try to make light conversation. And I'm not, okay, cool, cutting them off and going right to what I got to do. Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't try to be rude and nasty to anybody. Mm-hmm. It's just, I feel like, yeah, that's definitely something little that I can do mm-hmm. to show that not everybody's like the stigma they've created for us. Wow. That's good. Um, I think one thing that I try to do is I try to have dialogue. Mm. A lot like what you say, but in my line of work, obviously, if I'm if I'm interacting with people at a networking event or something like that, right. I have a little bit more time than you would at a transaction at a register. Yes. So I engage them, and I start dropping uh, uh, information about myself mm-hmm. to them where they go. And you can see their face. Sometimes they're not surprised because there are a lot of evolved people all over the place. There are a lot of woke people. But there are a lot of people that ain't woke yet. <laughs> and when I say certain things, they go, oh, you're college educated. Yes, I am. Oh, you're a speaker. Yes, I am. Oh, you. When I love when people say, what do you do? Because you know how I dress sometimes. Sometimes right. I dress pretty, you know, shabby. And I say, oh, I'm a writer. And they go, oh, really? What kind of writing? Self-help. Get out of here. And I can see them being drawn into the conversation. Um, and 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 I think that that takes, that does what Norman Lear did in, in 1971. They take that information home and say, you're not going to believe this. I met a guy and I thought he was a thug, but he wasn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even for you, I mean, I'm sure people have seen your picture on Instagram or social media. Um, you, you're not clean cut in the traditional sense of short haircut, no right. facial hair. Um, describe your style to people. I, I guess you could call it urban. Okay. Urban street. Urban hip. Yeah. Hip, hipster. But the, I guess <laughs> I guess because I really like when I first when I first started dressing for myself, mm-hmm. it was more like streetwear. Okay. So people got an impression about me before even getting to know me. Mm-hmm. Like I would walk into a place, like like a Trader Joe's or a Home Goods, with a hoodie on. Um, some baggy jeans and some Jordans mm-hmm. and the hood up and my headphones in and people would look at me like what is he doing in here I would get up to the register and I'd be like how's your day going today while, I, while they're checking me out they they weren't the ones who were trying to start the conversation I was you initiated it mm-hmm. okay cool so earlier this week me and uh my wife Cherise got a chance to write a, a co uh, excuse me, an op-ed together on the conditions that are currently going on in Chicago and really what it takes. And full disclosure, I have family in Chicago. I am not from Chicago. I don't claim to be able to speak to all of the um the ills that that plague that family. Excuse me, plague that city. But I do know that a principle will work in any environment. Right. And I just wanted to read a little bit of this poem from Tupac. It said, did you hear about the rose that grew from a crack in the concrete? Proving nature's law wrong, it learned to walk without having feet. Funny it seems, but by keeping its dreams, it learned to breathe fresh air. Long live the rose that grew from concrete when no one else even cared. I think that whenever I hear that um, by him and Nikki Giovanni, of course, these were a group of poems that were released out of um, the archives of his family's estate after his death. Right. But whenever I whenever I read that, the thing that gets me is the natural law of it. Mm-hmm. Because the definition of privilege 
is to have an advantage or to be given something beyond what someone else would have on a normal situation. Mm -hmm. So a con a rose that bursts through concrete, of course, it's a metaphor, but it's, it's deep to me because it speaks to uh, something growing unnaturally with all the odds against it. So when you, when you, and you've got friends, I mean, you got people that you're connected to, um, what are some of the challenges that you think are sitting right in the face of people that even somebody like you and me don't even have to deal with? Worrying if today could be your last day alive. I've known people who, I know people who've struggled with that um, gang violence outside the house, mm-hmm. gang violence inside the house, surrounded by that, that's what they grew up with. Mm. So seeing that, made them made them kind of skeptical about how long their life would be. Mm. You know, what's funny is um, I was talking to a teacher and she teaches in inner city and she said, it's difficult for me to approach the subjects. It's difficult for me to approach that, hey, you didn't turn in your homework today when this kid has on the same clothes he's had on all week. And I know for a fact he hasn't eaten since yesterday right. because I was the one that gave him money yesterday. So you want me to bring them into this classroom and talk to them about the SOL scores that the school board wants them to pass so that they can keep getting their millions and millions of dollars from the government. But you don't want me to address what's really going on. The real so, issues. Right. So it makes me wonder, do we want to see people get better or do we want to pacify our um, societal need to feel better it's a pacifier there's no if the government wanted to change the way the communities were they have the money they have the resources to do so it's just a matter of them not caring flint michigan the water is still disgusting i saw pictures on on cnn yesterday that i thought were from five or six years ago they were from yesterday morning yep of people getting in line at 4.30 in the morning. People have adjusted their whole lifestyle. And you talk about privilege. People have adjusted their whole lifestyle to get water because not not because they didn't pay their water bill, not because they let their pipes rust. They'd had no say-so in the, in the people there letting the water and, and the pipes corrode to the point where it's poisonous. People's skin is, is irreparable now. Yeah. Because they've been drinking stuff that still isn't clean. Stuff that the government sees but turns a blind, a blind eye to because it's not affecting them directly. Right. And you know what it boils down to? Zip code and political affiliation. Mm-hmm. Because the Republicans are yelling, oh, well, it's the Democrats. The Democrats are really yelling, well, we need money. Well, regardless, to hell with all that. At some point, somebody's got to say, I don't care who started the problem. We've got the money to fix the problem. We do. And you want those kids that don't know where their next clean drink of water is coming from. You want them to go into a school in the 7th, 8th, ninth grade and read on that level. That's absolutely ridiculous. When they're dehydrated, they can't even focus on their schoolwork. <laughs> and, and, and it's so, sometimes it's so ignorant because we can, we can allow our current situation to blind us to the situations of other people. Right. And that's privilege. And that not only that not only affects white folks, that hits every single race 
That means we that are sitting here with clean drink, we can go to the tap right now, take a shower. We don't have to boil anything. We don't have to drink out of um, water bottles. We can drink straight from the tap if we want to. Yeah. Probably wouldn't, but we could if we wanted to. And and things are easy for us. But what about everybody that isn't? And I think that at the root of social change, at the root of what Tupac stood for, that's what that's what we have to have kind of that fire in our lives that push us to be revolutionists and, and push us to be anarchists and change agents. Yeah. And I feel like in regards to privilege, people have forgotten about Flint for a minute because mm-hmm. it's been going on for so long that we thought, oh, they may they should have fixed it by now. <laughs> I'll admit to it because I remember there was a point like a few months ago. I'm like, somebody has said something about it. I'm like, what you mean the water's still not clean? Wow. I had totally forgot about them not there there was no change in that so there was things going on back home things going on in me where i totally overlooked what was going on in flint Mm -hmm. and i feel like not trying to get with the conspiracy theories or anything i feel like certain stuff's have certain stuff happens at Mm -hmm. certain times to draw our attention oh yeah absolutely because a distracted warrior is no longer a warrior. Mm-hmm. A distracted warrior is no, no longer, longer a warrior. I like that. Um, what's crazy about it is, when you think about the whole situation, it was a $6 million problem that the city had. Mm-hmm. Now, in, 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 in our terms, $6 million is, is is insurmountable. I mean, somebody right. walked in right now and said, we need $6 million or y'all gonna die. Well... It was nice knowing you. Right. Because they had my prayers so I can go up and be with my father. <laughs> right. I ain't even worth that dead. You know, I got a life insurance probably, but not $6 million. But in the, in the scheme of what a city's or a state's budget is, that's a drop in the bucket. Right. They could have got that from federal funding from grants to fix the problem. But everybody said, it's not my problem. And I tell you what, somebody need to go to jail for that. Somebody, some city official dropped the ball, some clerk dropped the ball, some councilman, alderman, whomever they are, dropped the ball, and they should be held legally accountable for that. Because they're, they're putting people's lives at risk. And when you hold political power anywhere, you have an unsuspecting person's life in your hand. Exactly. But you know what? When you make your salary or your well-being tied to your results... I guarantee you we'll see a change in people. Yeah. And I think that um, one of the things that I like to do, and I'll just throw this out here, is become active and become active on a local level. Mm-hmm. So every every place has a councilman. Every place has somebody, some city official. Right. What I want you to do when you finish listening to this podcast, Google where you live. If you've never voted, first thing, register to vote. After you voted, start talking to the people that are in charge. Go to their offices. Uh, Our councilman here in our city has office hours three times a month. Mm -hmm. And we've gone to meetings there. Go to town hall meetings. Don't just jump on Facebook and rant about it. Don't just get on Twitter and be active. Right. Because there's no change if the people don't rise up. Because anybody anybody from behind a computer screen can type... Oh, we want change. We want change. But until you go face that problem head on, what's gonna happen? Right. Just a bunch of but just a bunch of complainers. 
there, there are nonprofits in your community that you can volunteer with. Okay, you got enough time to tweet and post. Dedicate a half, dedicate an evening once a week to a cause in your community. This is an all-out challenge because we talk about change, we talk about revolution, but revolutions don't just happen out of well-wishers. Revolutions happen from people who are ready to take action. If you can't take action, action, you just I feel like you're a part of the problem. Mm. And right there is a good place to unplug it. E3 that said it the best. If you're not gonna take action, then you actually are part of the problem. Once again, this is the Outlier Show. Thank you for joining us on tonight's episode. I'm E3. I'm Early Jackson. And this is the hot new podcast from, from Father and Son Creatives sharing their perspectives on hot pop culture topics. No, no subject, subject is taboo. taboo. Peace.